Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. And welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual abuse. Uh, But before we jump into that topic, I'd love to remind you, uh, once again, of PeaceWorks University. If you are benefiting from what you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. You can learn more about PeaceWorks University at chrismoles.org. All right, so today's question is regarding spiritual abuse, in particular, the trauma associated with spiritual abuse. So I'll jump into the question and then try to unpack. I do want to offer a bit of a disclaimer before uh, we discuss this. I I would not consider myself in in any way an expert on trauma or trauma care. Uh, While I have worked with a lot of individuals who've experienced trauma, in particular uh, men who abuse, who have to kind of process between the cruelty that they use in their own home and the cruelty that's used against them, I would not consider myself an expert on trauma care. So my hope is not to give uh, trauma care advice other than to seek help from someone who can, but to kind of discuss uh, aspects of the question that I feel comfortable or able to discuss. So here's the question. Can you speak to how trauma affects the body? I have experienced long-term spiritual abuse from a spiritual authority figure. And I can't seem to get my stress levels down even while I sleep. And not a day goes by where we don't talk about our time under the the abusive leader trying to process our experience. Is this normal? Are we doing something wrong? And will we ever fully recover? Well, I will say that I think recovery is possible and probable. I'd say that it's something that uh, Lord willing, you'll experience peace and healing, and I would love to just recommend that you check out available resources to you in your area about trauma care, um, trauma-informed counselors who maybe can help you. Uh, you might want to check out the Christian Trauma Healing Network and our friends over there with Beth Broom, and perhaps um, they might have some resources to help as well. But I, I do think that hope is a big part of our message, and I do believe that hope is possible, uh, even from this, what you're talking about, long-term spiritual abuse. I don't know that you're doing anything wrong. Um, It it would not be my place to say that processing openly your experiences with what seems to be your partner, I'm guessing your husband, that that is somehow uh, inappropriate or wrong. I, I wouldn't say that that's the case. I do think it'd be nice to get some eyes on the situation that could help you process well and maybe in a, a productive way. Um, I do think it's important to recognize that trauma and, and abuse affects people differently. The people are different. And so I do think it's important to recognize that people respond differently both to how they are uh, impacted or how they are being treated um, and how they are being asked to respond. And, and so it would be unfair in a podcast or um, a YouTube video or a blog post to say, you know, here are the five things you must do to recover from your trauma, 
and give you a hot list. But I, I do want you to to hear me, and I want everyone who to hear me who's, who's maybe experiencing this, that it is okay for you to hurt. It's okay for you to experience pain after having set or been under destructive leadership of an individual who has done great harm to you. And, and the other part of that, too, is um, I, I think some of that depends, too, on the extent to which one has been harmed. So people are different, right? So one person can experience the same uh, stimuli, the same what we would call traumatic event, and they can respond to it differently. Um, however, as the abuse increases, as the uh, scope to which one is harmed elevates or escalates, it will make it more difficult to escape those effects. So I don't know your particular story, but I do know stories like this. And so I want to talk just briefly maybe about that concept that uh, if you're listening, maybe you're a pastor, you're a leader, and this hasn't been on your radar, uh, the idea of spiritual abuse. Uh, we, we have seen in, in recent years an uptick in recognition that people are starting to recognize um, what some call toxic leadership or bully leadership or perhaps bully pastors or even abusive pastors who abuse their power to harm, coerce, control others. There are extreme cases, certainly, um, if you have seen the um, the Netflix special, I believe it was on Netflix for, uh, I think it's called Stay Sweet, which is the um, the F- FLDS, the um, Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints group, and the tremendous sexual assault, child brides, coercion, control, threat, fear, brainwashing, cultish, you know, cult behavior. And I think that would be one level where most of us can identify, right? When we're talking about spiritual abuse, maybe it's FDLS or perhaps Jonestown, you know, where we can see, okay, this individual um, has used their charisma, their power, their authority, and they're absolutely uh, diminishing, destroying, and um, harming individuals that they're supposed to be caring for. Um and not, not all of us are experiencing that. Although I will say, you know, in all the years that we've been doing this, we have encountered some churches, uh, some ministry outlets, some ministries who function far more like cults than they do uh, ministries uh, with a charismatic leader who kind of overwhelms, um, controls, coerces, and even um, abuses openly, sexually, physically, or otherwise, uh, people that they are, that who are following them. And so, so that cult level abuse is still out there. And I think it's important that we recognize that there will be long-term effects to that. Um, if you've read anything about those type of, uh, environments, it's very difficult to escape. It's very difficult to get out of. Um, there's a lot of coercion and threat involved in that. Um, I was just interacting with some material not long ago on the, um, the overlap of some of the political conspiracy theories and, uh, some latter day cults and how in the last, you know, decade that is on the rise from beliefs in, um, aliens and lizard people. And like, you think these, these far out beliefs, you're like, man, this is really far out. But when they're introduced incrementally, 
in a position of fear and coercion and threat, that is in and of itself um, coercive, controlling. That has to be considered an abusive and traumatic environment uh, when your life is built around fear of of this otherworldly um, outcome. You know, so I, I do think those cultish type approaches are still present in our world. But for most of us, what we're seeing is spiritual abuse at the hands of a controlling, even violent or bully pastor. Um, If you've worked at all, say, in the Anabaptist community, we see this at the level sometimes of the bishop in the Amish community who is uh, re-victimizing individuals um, or groups, community leaders who are re-victimizing individuals um, by requiring them to, to go back to uh, criminal offenders, husbands who have assaulted children, who have sexually assaulted multiple people, you know, and these types of behaviors are all based in this authority, right, that you have to restore the family. We've seen this in uh, some of our churches, in conservative Christian churches, where the the family becomes the institution that must be preserved at the expense of the people, that marriage is kind of our new Sabbath to the degree at which people are put in great harm's way. Uh, we see this in commitment to uh, the church culture. I think if you followed any of the um, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast or any of the other kind of celebrity pastor movements who have fallen apart in the last few years and the propensity for bullying where leaders are coercive and controlling and bullying both their staff and their congregants, then then this should make sense. So all of that to say, back to the question, um, first of all, I think we as leaders need to recognize that spiritual abuse is possible both institutionally in the church and in the home, right? So those two avenues are present where in the case of this particular questioner, a spiritual authority leader, right? So a pastor or leader or someone they admired, um, use tactics to coerce and control. We see this, I mean, we see this all the time, have seen it all the time in televangelists and money and, and lies and propaganda and um, manipulation and so on, and even threats, right? Because who wants to, if you believe in this person, who wants to let God down or be in danger of hell, right? And so, or not complete the mission, which I think is part of the the rubric or the framework in, in our tribe where you can find abuse. It's just like you have to complete the mission. So you got to work yourself to death to, to do what I'm telling you to do because I'm the representative. And, and that has just tremendous amount of dangers. And for the person asking the question today, long-term effects. And how does it affect your body? Well, I think it's affecting this individual's sleep, but it can also affect um, their um, their uh, digestive health, their heart health, their um, immunity can be compromised in some regards with the levels of stress. Anxiety can add uh, aspects of health concerns. So there's definitely a body-soul connection, a body-mind connection that's going on here. Uh, with that being said, you know, this is something we see most often in homes. So Yes, you can experience this at the hands of an abusive pastor and a course of a controlling pastor, but we also see this from husbands who use Scripture quite flippantly and regularly 
to coerce and control their wives. And so I want you to think about how devastating this is, both from an institutional level at the church, and some people will say at the church level you have a little bit more agency, which is probably true, although once you're in the throes of it, it's very hard to distinguish. Um, In a marriage situation, you probably have a little less agency, and in many cases the church is reinforcing the, um, the threat and the fear. But you have a husband who is using aspects of complementarity, he's using threats of hell, he's using threats of judgment uh, to coerce and control and demand uh, obedience from his partner. We would call that oppression or subjugation, and we know that God takes that very seriously, and um, uh, there are dramatic responses to that, at least there should be. So I I know I've kind of gone all over the place, but uh, for our questioner today, you know, people respond differently, um, both to the way in which they're treated and the way in which they're asked to respond. And so give yourself a little bit of grace today, um, a, a little bit of patience today uh, regarding, you know, how quickly you can move on or how quickly you can function after being harmed uh, by a pastor or a leader. The extent to which the harm is done will also, I think, affect that. Um, it's not a, it's not a unilateral thing. It's not a universal thing, I should say. Um, but I I would say individuals who have found themselves in, um, sexually assaulted, physically assaulted, um, ridiculed, uh, marginalized, uh, they will probably experience some things to a greater degree, um, than maybe a congregant who wasn't in the inner circle or in the inner workings of the organization. So give yourself a little bit of grace today, a little bit of patience today. Seek help where it's available. Um, find a counselor, an individual who can walk with you through the trauma, who can walk with you a little bit through uh, the ways in which your body and mind are interacting. Maybe seek help from your physician. Um, a doctor might be able to answer some questions if your body is reacting in a certain way that you think is related to the trauma. There may be some treatments available to kind of help because even once Um, even once we find the solutions and the healings internally, it doesn't always mean that our uh, physical bodies want to catch up to that. And so, um, you know, yeah, finding help is, is essential to that. Uh, the normalcy of all of it. Um, I think it's, I think it's sad. I think it's sad that our churches continue to find ourselves in these places. I think it is sad that we continue to, uh, prop up individuals uh, who have a track record of harming others. I think it is sad that we value, seemingly, value charisma and pulpit presence over presence. Um, and I would love to see some of that shift and change in the church. Uh, but until then, I think it's it's important to find community that has a diversity of leadership, that has some layers of accountability, um, that teaches truth well, that leaders that don't take themselves too seriously and are uh, in a positions where they share aspects of um, aspects of authority or else they could be in danger of abusing power. And then, of course, within the home, I think spiritual abuse is a whole other can of worms that maybe we should spend some time on in the future uh, when it comes to this idea of husbands using the scriptures to control and belittle um, their wives. And I think that adds a whole other layer of complexity to the trauma argument and so it might it would be nice to maybe have a, a trauma informed counselor 
kind of talk through some of the ways in which abuse is connected, because I think that's another area where we struggle in biblical counseling in particular, is we diversify our understanding of abuse. Well, this is emotional abuse, and this is physical abuse, and this is spiritual abuse, and this is sexual abuse. But they're often intertwined and connected. And so um, spiritual abuse in the home, for instance, will often have a sexualized component, especially if uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is one of those passages that are used to coerce and control. Um, sometimes it will have a physical component uh, where um, an individual using the scriptures will will seek to enact God's judgment as if they are the final authority. And certainly there will be emotional aspects to the abuse uh, when spiritual concerns are used. And so it is somewhat of a, of a web of interactions, and that will have a dramatic effect on anybody who's experiencing those. I appreciate the question. I, I hope that we have at least offered some, some bit of hope that it's okay in that regard to continue to seek, to continue to grow. Uh, there is hope out there. I do believe that re- recovery, as you put it, is possible, but be, be a little patient with yourself and show yourself a little bit of grace. I think um, you've been through a very hard situation and um, probably experiencing all the, the emotions related to you know being let down by this leader, but then also possibly being deceived by this leader or feeling maybe feeling gullible or, or taken in and, and just a little bit of uh, patience and grace with yourself will go a long way as you seek help to process what your next steps are uh, in addressing the trauma and the abuse. Uh, certainly a lot to process, guys, a lot to continue to think through, a lot of work that's still in front of the church when it comes to aspects of spiritual abuse and the effects that that can have long-term on individuals, either within our churches or within our families. I want to thank you guys for joining us today on the PeaceWorks podcast. I uh, hope you find uh, the PeaceWorks podcast beneficial. If you do enjoy what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, uh, whatever the platform you're listening on asks of you. Uh, that would help us as well. All right, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, on the PeaceWorks podcast. Until next time, God bless.